Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Three, two, one. But I'm working out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here we go. Welcome, everybody. Episode 232 of the podcast. It is Sweeping America. The Aaron Sports Podcast, unbelievable show today, people. It's championship week. Uh, many of you are traveling to the SEC tournament, ACC tournament. I am here in Las Vegas, Pac-12 tournament, uh, WCC tournament. But that's not why it's an amazing show. It's an amazing show because Bill Walton, the legend, the guy you either love or you either hate. I don't know if he's ever done a podcast interview before, but he sat down with your boy A.T., 40 minutes of pure Bill Walton, the only interview I've ever done where before I could even introduce my guest, he introduced himself. He just said, hey, I'm Bill. How you doing? And then he went into his Bill Walton deal. It was incredibly fun. I'm incredibly gracious and thankful to the Pac-12 for giving me the time with him. I'm incredibly gracious to Bill for making time, and it's a fun interview. I think you guys will enjoy. Before we get to Bill, I'll talk on the topics of the day. Unfortunately, I will talk a lot about Corona. I mean, listen, it's, it's something that has taken over the sports world. Everybody has an opinion on. Obviously, I'm very sensitive to families and people that are dealing with this illness, but when it comes to sports, it is something that we need to discuss, and I will, of course, get into the conference tournaments. Before I do a couple housekeeping things, first of all, Uh, If the sound quality is a little bit better than normal, uh, it is because I am back at my home away from home. I mentioned a minute ago I'm in Vegas for the Pac-12 tournament. I'll only be here for a few days. But the people at Legacy Stadium at Venetian were nice enough to welcome me. Uh, Many of you joined me prior to the CBS Sports Classic at Legacy's. It was just, obviously, we had a great time. It was an incredible experience for people who have not been Uh, This is very much the place to come when you're in Vegas uh, to watch all the big games, whether you're going to be here for the uh, NCAA tournament, March Madness, obviously, which I just said, NCAA tournament, March Madness are the same thing, the NFL draft, NBA playoffs. This is a great place to watch the games. Uh, Plenty of TVs, plenty of bar seating, great food, because I've actually had pretty much everything on the menu at this point. 
And oh, by the way, I'd also tell you this, for people who like to throw a little money down on these games, uh, there is a sports book in the sports bar, which many of you took advantage of when we had our little party before the CBS Sports Classic. So again, Legacy Stadium at the Venetian, very nice enough to host me. I truly appreciate their hospitality. Before we get started, I want to remind everybody, please make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. It has been an unbelievable couple weeks of interest in the show as obviously uh, March Madness is ramping up and I appreciate everybody's support. Uh, Also make sure to rate and review the show. Give us a quick five stars if you don't mind. So many of you have been so gracious in doing that. Uh, As I mentioned a few episodes ago, my guy Shane Stryker, he still, he is the GOAT in terms of uh, reviews. So thank you to Shane and thank you to Hahado who said AT knows the most objective guy in the game. So thank you to everybody who's left the ratings and reviews uh, and I encourage everybody to do so. If you're not following, please follow on the Aaron Torres Instagram page. Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast on Instagram. And finally, questions heading into March Madness, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Going to be a busy few weeks for me. I'll be hosting some extra Fox Sports radio shows. I'll be doing some Periscopes. All right, last little housekeeping thing before we get uh, before we get to the meat of the show. I mentioned last episode, Dr. Mary Lou Head has come on as one of the presenting sponsors of the Aaron Torres sports podcast in the month of March. Uh, Dr. Head is, in my opinion, the best dentist in the Lexington area. And as I told you, free exam and x-rays for all her new patients. And the reason I wanted to mention this is because, one, we truly appreciate Dr. Head's hospitality. But furthermore, I'm a knucklehead, and I gave you the wrong information last episode. So Dr. Mary Lou Head in Lexington, uh, you can reach out to her. I gave you the wrong website. It is www.MaryLouSHeadDMD.com, MaryLouSHeadDMD.com, or you can reach out by phone, 859-269-5386. All right, let's get to the good stuff, people. And unfortunately, in this particular week, the good stuff is not good at all. It is... It is the coronavirus. It is the biggest story in our general society, and it has certainly trickled down into sports and very specifically college basketball because of the fact that the NCAA tournament and these college basketball conference tournaments are the first big events that have come up since this coronavirus. If you want to call it an outbreak, I think that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but since this coronavirus situation has occurred. And so it was kind of crazy being on social media these last couple of days because every single day, every single hour, it felt like there was a new story, right? First, it was the Ivy League canceling their tournament. Then it was the Big West announcing that there was going to be no fans in their tournament, which ironically is not far from where I live in Anaheim, California. Uh, Certain conferences, the Pac-12, the SEC, I believe, are limiting locker room access for media. And then we get the big one on Wednesday afternoon. Mark Emmert announces that until further notice, NCAA tournament games will not be played in front of fans. And listen... I know when you go on social media, you know, you get, uh, you know, you get, you can't really share an honest opinion because people automatically attack you, but I am going to tell you what I truly believe. And it is the opposite of most people, which is that I think we are completely overreacting to this whole story and the media is overreacting and the, the powers that be in college athletics are overreacting. And let me explain why. So first of all, I, a couple things, one, I think you guys know that whenever I get on this mic, I come from a place of education, okay? I I look up facts. I look up figures. If I'm going to give an opinion, I want to be informed on it. And so when it comes to the coronavirus, here are the facts, is that 
In total, as right now, as I record on late Wednesday, March 11th, there have been a grand total of 30 deaths via the coronavirus in the United States. I understand that it was much bigger in other countries, certainly specifically in Asia, but they did not catch the disease as quickly as we did. They did not put the things in place that we did, and that is why the deaths are much more significant over there. But in the United States, we have had 30 deaths total. And as I've said on Twitter a couple times, every day, for comparison's sake, nine people a day drive from texting and driving, die from texting and driving, which essentially means that there are more, since you got up on Monday morning to go to work from now, there have been more people that have died from texting and driving than have ever died in the United States from the coronavirus. Uh, also, statistically, as you've probably read, just about the only people that have died, and again, we don't want to be unsympathetic to people that, that have passed away, families that have lost family members, but the vast majority of people, virtually everyone, is either a senior citizen over the age of 70, or had previous health issues. Again, I know there's older people that listen to this show. I know there's people in their 70s that listen to this show. I don't want to be disrespectful of you, and I don't want to be disrespectful of, of the decisions that you're making in your everyday life, but these are the facts. Now, I think there are some other facts that maybe aren't out there that do need to be considered, and what's great about this show, what's great about the reach that I have, is that I have smart people reaching out to me all the time. So what I will say is this. I had somebody in the medical field reach out to me and say, AT, hey, you're kind of missing something on this, it's not that the death rate is insane. What the issue is, is that this disease spreads very quickly. And so by bringing 20,000 people together in an arena or you know, 80,000 for the Final Four, what you're doing is just you know, increasing the chance of people kind of catching it and, and you know, passing it on to other people. I get that. I also had a buddy of mine who is in the business world, the business specter, se sector, excuse me, say, uh, AT, you know, there's legal and ethical issues. The ethical issues are very simply this. You want to bring people into an arena where they could be exposed to this disease. I get that. Legally, there are some other issues in terms of what happens if you do expose somebody to this and they get sick. Now, I would love actually for a lawyer, if, if we have any lawyers that listen to this show, I would love for you to check in. And let me know if that carries weight. And what I mean by that is very simply this. If I, Aaron Torres, go to the Pac-12 tournament and I catch corona, I come down with corona two or three days later, is there any way I can even prove that I got at the Pac-12 tournament and can the Pac-12 be held liable? Because my understanding is it'd be really hard to prove that I got it at the Pac-12 tournament. So I understand that there are moral issues and legal issues. I also understand this. Like I said a minute ago, 30 total people have died. And I'm not trying to make light of the 30 people who have passed away. But 30 people in the grand scheme of things is not enough to be canceling events and to be completely realtering events. I would also say this. I know many of you have chosen, you've, you've changed your lifestyle because of this disease. And I totally respect that. I totally respect anybody that was going to the SEC tournament or going to the ACC tournament or going to a concert or going to this and has decided, you know what, I'm just going to back off until this thing calms down. But ultimately, that is your decision. And I don't think that we should take the decision away from other people, whether it is a conference tournament or the NCAA tournament. And I'm not going to back off on this until I get new information. That's the thing about this show. 
I will always tell you how I really feel based on the information I have. And maybe between when I stop recording and when uh, this post goes up on Thursday morning, maybe the mortality rate will be significantly higher and I will have to change my opinion and I will. But I truly believe that 30 deaths does not warrant the decisions that are being made by these athletic administrators. And I truly believe that ultimately it should be the decision of the fans if they want to attend. When you decide to go to one of these games, you know the risk. No different than when you attend a game during flu season and you got, you know, Bill behind you sneezing as you know what off. It's the same thing. You know the risk. You know the risk of whatever. Driving, you know the risk of every decision that you make. And if you want to attend NCAA tournament games, if you want to attend conference championships, you should be allowed to. For the players, I feel like they should be given the same choice. James Wiseman decided not to play in college basketball because he was afraid of getting hurt. If a player is truly fearful of getting the coronavirus, they should not be forced to play in the NCAA tournament. What I would also say, by the way, which I'm going to get into in a minute, is those players probably have nothing to worry about. But I don't like that we are taking the decision away from the everyday man and woman that has already paid for their flights, already paid for their travel, already paid for their hotels uh, to these NCAA tournament games, to the Final Four, whatever the case may be. And, And maybe, again, maybe I will be proven wrong. But that is how I feel right now. I don't feel like we should be taking those opportunities away, and I don't feel like we should be taking the opportunities away from the kids to play in front of those crowds. I would also say this. I do at least understand that. The one thing that I don't understand is completely canceling things. And I will say this. Dan Wolken, USA Today, came out with an article on Tuesday where he said that the NCAA tournament should be canceled. And you guys know that as a general rule, I do have one rule when I do this show. I try not to criticize other people's opinions because I'm an opinion guy. I'm in the opinion business. I'm in the opinion space. And so it's not fair for me to come on here and say this, this, and this, and then just completely disagree with somebody and say, well, you're wrong. And so I try not to do that, but I try to keep it very, I have one rule. If I believe you're being disingenuous, if I believe you're, you're spreading falsehoods based on your opinion, then yeah, I am going to call you out. And Dan Wilkins wrong on this. You know why? His argument is that playing the NCAA tournament is making these kids susceptible to getting the coronavirus. That's preposterous. And you know, you know why? Because it's what I said a minute ago. First of all, only 30 people have died. And oh, by the way, the people who have fallen the most ill are 70 plus years old. You know what that means? The people that are least susceptible to getting seriously ill from this disease, you know who they are? 18 to 22 year old kids at peak physical condition where every calorie that they eat is accounted for, where they're hydrated, where they, their sleep is monitored. So stop with the we should cancel the NCAA tournament. If you want to talk about not having fans there, that's a different argument. I, I understand that. I disagree, but I understand that. But this idea that we are going to cancel the NCAA tournament, just stop. Just stop. But it goes back to what I said a minute ago. If it was up to me, I would say let's play these games, let's let the fans in, and if people don't want to come They shouldn't have to come. If players don't feel safe playing, they shouldn't have to play. Clearly, the NCAA disagrees. And clearly, uh, at least to start the tournament, before we get uh, back to the actual basketball, I did want to remind everybody again uh, that I am at Legacy Stadium. For Again, if the sound quality sounds good or if I sound a little bit different, I should mention, by the way, Bill Walton coming up here in a minute. But again, I am at Legacy Stadium 
here in Vegas. They are so gracious with me. This is the third, fourth, fifth time that I've broadcast from here. Also uh, hosted the party here at the CBS Sports Classic. If you guys were here, you know how awesome this facility is. As I said, good food, great place to watch the games. If you're coming for March Madness, if you're coming for the NFL Draft, basically, if you're here and you like sports in Las Vegas, this is a great place. I actually had somebody reach out to me today asking about fantasy football drafts, and uh, this is a great place. They have private rooms, all that stuff, and as I mentioned, they got a sports book downstairs. Your boy Hoodie AT may have thrown down a bet earlier today. All right, very quickly, what I do want to do is we are now in the middle of conference championship week, and, and so what I basically want to do is go through quickly each of the major conferences. I'm not going to spend 20 minutes on each, but I'll spend five minutes on them and just talk about each individual conference tournament. And then also, oh, by the way, what I think the biggest storyline is in that tournament, any potential bubble teams, whatever. And please keep in mind, I am recording here on Wednesday. There are some teams that by the time you listen will have played. Indiana is playing Wednesday night. NC State is actually playing as I record. They're up 10 in the second half against Pittsburgh, but they might not win. Uh, So be cognizant of it, but most of the big tournaments, most of the best teams start playing Thursday or Friday, and so let's get into it. I'll start in the ACC, and what I would tell you very simply is this. To me, the biggest story in the ACC is really twofold. It's one, is any of these teams actually going to emerge as a legitimate contender? Because I feel like we have been waiting all year for Louisville, and Louisville just kind of is who they are. Decent team, they play good defense. But they really can't score. And it's the same issue AT's been telling you about since November with this team, since they lost to Texas Tech in December, is that good group of kids, I believe in Coach Mack, I don't believe that they're overly skilled. So are they going to emerge? Is Duke going to emerge? Duke, oh, by the way, uh, has lost their last three games away from Cameron Indoor Arena. Very good at home, very average on the road. Florida State, same deal. So to me, what I want to know is anybody going to steam through, run through this tournament, and put themselves in position where we're sitting there on Selection Sunday saying like, man, that team's actually pretty good. Um, so we will see. But I think the bigger story because of that, I should mention, by the way, Virginia's playing really well. I don't think they're a national championship contender even if they win this tournament. Uh, I think the bigger story, though, is because those top teams are not as good as they've been historically, you know what that means to me? That the actual biggest story is, are we going to get a bid stealer out of the, out of the ACC? Is someone other than those four teams, because we know those are the four teams that are going to make the NCAA tournament, Louisville, Duke, Florida State, and Virginia are locks. And so the question becomes, can somebody else sneak in and steal a bid? Could it potentially be North Carolina? Again, they play later tonight as I record. They may be out of the ACC tournament by the time you list. But could it be North Carolina? Could it be Notre Dame? Could it be NC State, which is really the only bubble team in this conference? I think it's fascinating to watch. And the ACC is going to be fun as always. Let's transition to the Big East where I thought coming in, the story would be which of the three teams that won the tri-championship, so obviously look, Villanova, Creighton, Seton Hall all won uh, a share of the league title. I thought the biggest story would be very simply who emerges as the actual best team when all these teams get together and play each other. But a much bigger story has emerged. If you listen to the last episode, I talked about Marcus Zagorowski, Creighton's point guard. He is to Creighton. What Devon Dotson is to Kansas, Way Jones is to Duke, and he had a knee injury on Saturday in their win over Seton Hall. It was such a bummer because if you were watching the game, uh, they're rolling Seton Hall, they're ready to celebrate this title, and then with like a minute left, he pulls up limp. And so we find out that he underwent an MRI, that he does in fact have a meniscus injury, he's going to miss the Big East tournament, but as somebody who has, has had two meniscus surgeries, 
I can tell you that he could be back as early as next week for the NCAA tournament, and that is what Creighton said. They hope to have him on the back on, back on the court for the NCAA tournament. But what I'm going to tell you is very simply what I just said a minute ago. This kid is so important to Creighton, and this is something to monitor as we head towards Selection Sunday. If he is not healthy, Creighton cannot win uh, the games that they would be able Because I think they're a, a team that could make the Final Four if Zagorowski was healthy. Unfortunately, I don't think he's going to be at 100%, and I just feel awful for Creighton. It's been a dream season that is quickly turning into a nightmare. Let's go to the Big 12, where I think there's another conference with two big stories. Um, the first, is Texas and Texas Tech a play-in game for the NCAA tournament? Now listen, we're going to get to our boy Joe Lenardi in a second, but Texas and Texas Tech are currently both in the last four in of Joe Lenardi's bracket, and Joe Lenardi's brackets have come under question the last few days, but the broader point is, both of these teams are really close to the bubble, and it seems preposterous for two different reasons. One, Texas Tech was actually pretty good at certain points. As I mentioned a minute ago, they beat Louisville. They had some good wins early in Big 12 play, but they have completely struggled down the stretch. They have lost their last four, and they went from being comfortably in on the seven line, the eight line, whatever, to now, if they lose this game, they could potentially be out of the NCAA tournament. And for Texas, it's the exact opposite. They were awful all year. They go on a run late, get five straight wins. You think, oh my goodness, Shaka Smart has finally figured it out. And then they lose to Oklahoma State on senior night. And so now Texas is very much playing for its bid to the NCAA tournament. And I do wonder, is this a play-in game? And oh, by the way, is this Shaka Smart's last stand? If they lose on Thursday, I don't think they're making the NCAA tournament. And if they don't make the NCAA tournament, I do not believe he will be back next year, especially with John Beeline now available on the market. The other big story in the in the Big 12 is Baylor. I, when Baylor is healthy, they are a national championship contender. The problem is they have not been healthy. Macy Oteague, their second leading scorer, uh, has been down with injury, and he's been playing through a wrist injury. You wonder how healthy he'll become next week. And Mark Vital and Tristan Clark, their two big guys, have both missed time over the last two weeks. Vital did play against West Virginia, but Baylor has now lost three of their last five games out of the regular season. Started the year 25-1, and 24-game win streak, but they need to get healthy or they're a team that could very much end up losing on the first weekend. SEC tournament, couple things. First of all, is this Ashton Hagen's drama finally done? I saw John Calipari right before I started recording had a press conference as the team gets set to leave for Nashville. That the team's in a good place. He says that he expects Ashton Hagen's to be ready to go. Uh, but you just wonder the impact that it had on the team. You wonder, by the way, with the team winning without Ashton Hagen's, does that change things? You wonder, as I said a minute ago, was Ashton Hagen, or excuse me, not an, a minute ago, but was Ashton Hagen's actually suspended? and not asking to leave from the team. I don't know that. It's speculation on my point. But the reason I bring it up, is that really solved? It seems to be. But I do believe that for Kentucky to reach its potential, Ashton Hagens needs to be healthy. And then, of course, the other big question in the SEC is very simply, will any of these bubble teams play their way off the bubble and into the NCAA tournament? Uh, much like the ACC, I think LSU, Kentucky, and Auburn, are, they're locks. They're done. I think Florida... Despite the things that I've said about Mike White, they are a lock. They essentially, for people that are looking at their resume and wondering why is Florida a lock, they basically have zero bad losses, zero quad two, quad three losses. They should be good to go, even though they're not that great. So can a Mississippi State win a game or two and play themselves off the bubble and into the tournament? Can an, Is Arkansas even on the bubble? Can they go to 
Ve- or to Vegas, to Nashville and win a couple games. They play on Wednesday night, so we'll find out. But can they win a couple games to potentially play themselves onto the bubble? Do they have to win the tournament? Same with Alabama, same with Tennessee. You'd think they would, but it's going to be interesting to follow if they are, in fact, uh, a couple. If, if a team from this league can essentially play itself off the bubble and into the tournament. Uh, wrap up with the last few conferences. Um, Big Ten. I think the story remains your boy Archie Miller. And I defended Archie Miller. Joe Lenardi and Archie Miller beefed. And Archie Miller said that he Joe Lenardi reminds him of a Sesame Street character that lives in a trash can. And that was an exact quote. That was a real thing that Archie Miller said. And while I don't think that Archie Miller should have said it in that exact terminology, I do actually genu- genuinely agree with Archie Miller's kind of the, the principle of the statement, which was very simply that Joe Lenardi is wrong on this. That Indiana is not a bubble team. And I just mentioned Florida's kind of credentials, and Indiana is actually exactly the same. So I think the biggest story is, is Indiana actually a bubble team? And I think as I record right now on Thursday at about 4 o'clock Eastern, I don't believe that they are. As I told you last week, they have wins against the ACC champ Florida State, against Michigan State, against Penn State, against Ohio State. They have no bad losses. Now, I will say this. If you're Archie Miller, they open against Nebraska in the Big Ten tournament on Wednesday night. You better make sure and win that game. And this may be a different conversation by the time you guys listen on Thursday. But I do believe that as of right now, Indiana is in. I would say the only other thing that really jumps out to me is that um, the only thing that jumps out to me is very simply that Michigan State is quietly emerging as a potential national championship contender. And it is incredible to watch. They have completely flipped the switch the last three, four weeks, not four weeks, but the last two weeks, the last five, six, seven games. They won at Maryland. Uh, they beat, they won at Penn State, and they had that big win over Ohio State at home. I think they're peaking. I talked about them last episode. Final conference. Final conference, the Pac 12. Why I'm here in Vegas. Uh, And I think the story is very simply all these bubble teams. I mean, you're going to hear Bill Walton's take on the bubble teams in a minute, but there are four teams, I guess. So there's three teams that are locks, Oregon, Arizona, and Colorado. And Stanford, Arizona State, UCLA, and USC are all on the bubble. I think UCLA's got to win at least one game. They had some bad losses out of conference. I think even though they finished in second in the Pac-12, they're going to have to win a game. USC, I think, is in. But I can tell you definitively, they were the first team left out of the tournament two years ago in 2018. They want to leave nothing to chance, and they want to win their Pac-12 opener, which would be against Arizona or uh, Arizona or Washington, depending on who wins that game. Uh, Arizona State, it's the same deal. They've been in the first four of the last two years. I think they would like to not be there this year. Definitely want to win a game to, to, to be more comfortable. And then Stanford. Stanford, I think, has to win at least two to get to the tur- to get to the NCAA tournament. They will play UCLA on Thursday. If they if they win their opener, they'll play UCLA. That could potentially be a play-in game for the NCAA tournament. All right. I think that's it. I think I just hit on everything that I wanted to hit on, ranging from coronavirus all the way to the conference tournament. So it was a great episode. As I mentioned a minute ago, Bill Walton will be joining me momentarily. It was one of the most fun interviews that I have ever done. Uh, Bill was unbelievable. And listen, whether just just 
You don't listen to this show if you don't like me, I think. And so let me say this. Whether you personally like Bill Walton or not, what I will tell you is that after being at the arena for eight hours for shoot-arounds, at about 8.30 on Tuesday night, after being at the arena, Bill Walton took 45 minutes to talk to me. So I, I think that shows the kind of character he has, and I genuinely appreciate him doing it. Uh, but before we get to Bill Walton, really quickly, final time, I do want to thank the folks at Legacy Stadium here in Las Vegas. Just an incredibly hospitable staff. They are so great to me. And as I've said a couple times now, if you're in Vegas, if you've been to Vegas, if you're out here for the CBS Sports Classic, I'm telling you, you saw how much fun this place is. This is the best place to watch all the big games. This is the best place if you're going to be here for March Madness, for the NFL Draft. Whatever you're going to be in Vegas, this is the place to come. If you're going to have a fantasy football draft, somebody asked me about that, uh, I would do it here as well. Great food, great hospitality, sports uh, sports book in the sports bar, which makes it a lot of fun. And also, I did want to mention, as I said earlier, um, that Dr. Dr. Mary Lou Head, who, as I said, she was nice enough. Uh, she's a, one of our presenting sponsors here this month in March. Uh, I did give out the wrong information. Her her actual uh, website is MaryLouHeadDMD.com, and also you can reach her at 859-305-377. All right. I think that's it. I think I have done enough for today. I've talked enough. Uh, I am going to go get a bite to eat, but that is it for my portion of today's show. I want to thank you guys for listening. I will be back Sunday night. Selection Sunday. We're going to have a bracket on Sunday. It's going to be awesome. Uh, It's going to come out late Sunday because I got to do some radio stuff in the afternoon, but make sure that you look out for the next episode. It's going to be an all-timer. I want to thank you guys for listening again. I'll make sure if you're not subscribed, please subscribe to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. You can do it on all the major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Pod Paradise, Podbean, wherever you listen to shows, the Aaron Torres Podcast uh, is available. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Give us a quick five stars. Uh, make sure you're following on Instagram, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. If you have any questions, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. That's all for right now. Shout out to my boy, Torrent Craig, the Australian legend. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. I will be back on Sunday. And now, here is Bill Walton. Hi, I'm Bill. Ask me anything. Let's rock. I didn't even need to introduce you. Your name's Aaron. Aaron. I saw you. Okay. Yes, it was earlier. Okay, I was here earlier. I remember. Yes. Aaron with two We're A's. We're in Las Vegas. We are in Las Vegas. What, what could be better. Where else would you want to be? Uh, we are the Pac-12 Conference of Champions. Where else would you want to be? Literally. This is what we live for. Literally nowhere else. When I told people that I was not only here, but that I would be talking with you. You know people? A you, couple. You, you nobody, need, nobody, nobody you, too important. You need so. to set your standards higher. Aaron, who, who, two who, A's. Two A's, yes. L, two, two L's. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So, so first of all, uh, you know, I arrived at the arena right around 3 o'clock. Uh, we're recording here a little past or a little before 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. How long have you been at the arena for? I wanted to ask you, but you told me to save it for air. So Save everything for the air, Aaron. Okay. Don't ask me anything. All right, we're recording. I How got here the, early. Okay. Later than I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. But if you can't be on time, be early. But... I took a wrong turn. I was wandering aimlessly through the desert, and the rain was coming down, and I missed my mark. And when I was trying to regain my bearings, you know, Mount Charleston, it was in the clouds. I couldn't see it. Uh, The Sunrise Mountains, they were obliterated by the fog. And so I finally stumbled and 
all of a sudden it was there, T-Mobile Arena. And then all the teams started pouring in. It was just a thing of beauty, and I had so much fun all day long. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, Aaron. So I've heard you say that in many uh, many other interviews on air. Why do you consider yourself the luckiest person in the world? I'm alive. Mm-hmm. I'm alive. I'm with the Pac-12. I have my health. Sure. I'm madly in love with my wife of 31 years, Lori. Uh, more so in love today than the day I married her. And we have four children and nine grandchildren. And I get to spend my days on the college campuses of the Conference of Champions. And when you get to spend your days in Seattle at University of Washington, in Eugene at University of Oregon, in Corvallis at Oregon State, in Berkeley, at Cal, at Stanford, in Palo Alto, in Los Angeles, at USC, at UCLA, in Arizona, Arizona State, the new American university, the University of Arizona, Tucson, yes, the old Pueblo, the oldest continually inhabited community in all of the United States. This is Tucson. Tucson. Really? then... You have the mountain states, Utah, the people of the mountains, and Boulder. Yes, all these power spots with the coolest people, the most interesting people, and young people who are chasing their dreams and trying to create a world for themselves. More importantly, a better world for all of us. And what our Conference of Champions is all about is the the convergence, harmonic convergence of academics, athletics, all leading to business. And we are right here now at the hub of the wheel in Las Vegas, which is an incredible business center. We won't even get into until you remind me that we should talk about the remarkable geographic aspects of Las Vegas. But the business that goes on, the business that goes down here, please read The Quiet Kingmaker of Las Vegas, Jack Sheehan. Oh my gosh, what a story. But what is happening here and the sports world that is coming yep. to Las Vegas? You got the Raiders and, and Mark Davis and, and the NFL. You got the Golden Knights and the NHL. And you've had so many different NBA events. But with the Conference of Champions moving the football championship sure. game here with the coast-to-coast basketball legacy that there's it's going to start up next year in December right here at T-Mobile. You got this phenomenal arena the most successful building in the land. Why do you say that? Well, well, because it's the busiest and it's the highest grossing sure. team. <laughs> How else would you like to measure well, it? Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, listen, you, a lot. And it's super fun. It for, is. For whatever kind of event you're coming to. And I've been to them all. Sure. I've been to hockey games. I've been to basketball games. I've been to concerts here. I've been to conventions here. And the bunker suites down below. And the suites up above. And just what they've done here. And... The, what MGM, what MGM has been able to do in terms of leveraging their connection sure. and their business acumen to build this place in conjunction with AEG and Phil Anschutz and all the people that go into making this great partnership between MGM and AEG and that walk that comes in from the strip and then the park theater that's right there that is the most successful mid-sized venue here and the 35 venues that MGM runs right here in this core, this hub of the wheel, the center of the universe, there's really no need to go anywhere else. And I often say when I leave Las Vegas, 
why am I leaving here? Listen. Why don't we just have all the games Everything here, here right? Well, they have everything here. So you know, the food is fantastic, the hotels, the amenities, the the excitement, the, the, the people, the, the knowledge, the conventions that just flock here. And then when you do get a free moment. Mm-hmm. Ah, the free yeah. moment, yes. What do you do when you have go a free moment? Go out to right Valley here? of Fire. Okay. Go out to Red Rock National Recreation Area. Go right around the corner to Spring Mountain State Park. Go down the road to Blue Diamond. Go over the hills to Death Valley, Mother Nature's greatest sports arena. Go down the road to the Mojave National Preserve. Go over to the Grand Canyon and all the endless dizzying possibilities at the Grand Canyon. And then just up the road to the north and the east is Zion and St. George and uh, the gateway to Utah. Just absolutely fantastic. And it, it, it's it, it's unlimited the things that you can do here. And it's just, it, it's just a, a place in my life where I always look forward to Likewise. coming to. And never look forward to leaving. <laughs> that's that's but a I story live in San life. Diego, yeah. which is the greatest place on earth. So yeah. it, uh, it's good to get home. I rarely do these days. So for people, um, you know, listen, we got the the snobs on the East Coast. I won't name names, but you know, everybody thinks Greensboro is the greatest spot or New York. We're Tell not, people that have never not, been. We're not. We're the Conference of Champions. Sure. We're not concerned with what other people think. Sure. You know, they're entitled to their own opinions, even when they're wrong. wrong. Yep, I'm and with you. You know, when everybody thinks alike, nobody thinks. But I haven't come across anybody recently or maybe ever that says, man, I'm excited as can be to be moving to the east, to be moving to the south, to be moving to the upper Midwest. (laughs) We are the conference of champions. We are where everybody wants to be. We have the perfect demographics. We have all the great sponsors. We have the great job opportunities. All the states in the West are the fastest growing states. The economies of the West are just over the top. California, massive. If it was a country, it'd be the fifth largest economy in the world. Interesting. I didn't know that. And you have Washington, Seattle, Oregon is on fire, Nevada, the fastest growing state in the country with a remarkable diversity that is just taking over this wonderful place. And, you know, the, uh, the opportunities for jobs. And, you know, this is where the future is is being determined. This is where it's being created. And this is where history will be written. Very good. I am the luckiest guy on earth because I got to grow up in this area. Sure. And I got to go to college in the Conference of Champions to two different universities, UCLA and then Stanford. You went to Stanford? And yes, I did. I'm and sorry. Then, I did a lot of research. Expl- I, uh, and then our, uh, my older brother, yeah. who's uh, from the Conference of Champions, UCLA. My dad S- went son, to Cal. Yeah. Our son went to Arizona. Another son went to Stanford. And so we are... and. Uh, I lived in Oregon and spent a ton of time in Washington, Utah, Colorado, high in the Rockies, let's go. And there's just nothing like it. And then Arizona, what a spectacular place. I just spent a a lot of time this spring in Arizona. And, man, I got to ride my horse. It was fantastic. I got to ride my bike. And I got to do the little bit of walking that I can do. I don't have the physical capabilities to to walk much. But... I'm alive, and I have no pain, and I still have all my body parts, although far too many of them are 
fake and artificial. You, you know what's funny? You say that. You'll never remember this. I met you at an airport probably about I 10 remember. years. You do? I do, yes. You remember what I said? What did I say? Why are you so weird? No, 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 no. So I went to UConn, and it was when yeah. Yashim Thabit was playing there. Yeah. Yeah, you remember what this. What a player. Yeah, and I said. You came up to me. You talked to me about Thabit. I did. I said. Yeah. Whatever I, happened to him? Is he still alive? He's alive, yeah. I don't know where he's playing, but I said UConn needs a backup. And then you, in an airport in Connecticut, went through all your physical ailments as to why you couldn't play at Well, UConn. I was trying to answer your question. What was your question on this one here? Oh, no, I was just saying um, you were talking about your physical ailments, and so the, it wasn't really a I'm question as much of a statement. I'm doing great. So you're doing I've better. Had, uh, I've had, I'm doing great. great. I've had 38 Fantastic. orthopedic operations. Some of them have worked, <laughs> including the more recent ones. Very and good. both of my ankles are fused. And if that's you don't me. understand what that's about, imagine. And, and the nerves, because of the 25-plus operations that I've already had on my feet, the nerves have all been cut by the surgeries. And so, so imagine if you don't understand what, what that would be like. Imagine if somebody had just injected massive amounts of Novocaine or Xylocaine or, or numbing material into your legs and, and you couldn't feel them. And then you had casts on, casts from uh, plaster casts from your toes to your knee on both legs mm-hmm. and then try to get around yeah but i just sort of stumble forward i just kind of lean forward and then try to put the the next stump out in front of me and get to where i try to go so i heard you in another interview your first injuries you weren't even aware this isn't my first no this no, isn't no, no my no, first no. interview when you no, it, it's as far i i heard another one with you i don't know if you remember it but you know what's the most There's important guy out there his name is person. Frank. Frank? Yeah. And yeah, he's, he's, like, he, yeah. he's like doing interviews. Okay. And using my name. Because yeah. I was going to say, I, I had... I'm very concerned, but... Okay. But I, but I, but I know Frank, and so I... He's a cool guy? He's very cool. He's All about right. as cool as they come. Super smart. And what a kind soul, yes. No, because I was going to say, I, I had heard in this interview, Frank said that your first injuries when you were young... You just right. thought people have bad feet and right. bad ankles. Well, I was born with birth defects in my feet. Oh, okay. I'm sorry about that. And then that when either. I was 14, some thugs tore up my knee in a basketball oh, game. Wow. And, uh, and and then when I was 21, I was I broke my back playing basketball for UCLA. Oh, wow. And then, you know, I spent my life falling down, getting fouled, and getting in fights. And so it was the greatest thing in the world, man. I loved yeah. playing basketball. Basketball was... The grand celebration of life. But it, you, w- it was, I, and it still is. And I'm just super lucky. Have I told you that I'm the luckiest guy in the world? I'm super yes. lucky in that I still get to be a part of the game. I haven't been able to play in 34-plus th- years. Wow. I haven't been able to run in that time because running is the ultimate skill for basketball. You can't run, you can't play. Mm-hmm. I haven't been able to walk for pleasure or for enjoyment or for exercise in... 41 years mm-hmm. and so Jeez. but i'm the luckiest guy alive man i can ride my bike i can go to the pool i can go to the weight room i can go on tour with the grateful dead and bob sure. dylan and neil young and john fogarty and jimmy cliff and then what it's one of the great things about being here in las vegas is that all they're all here, they're all here yeah. right? and you don't have to go to all those other places that you were talking about you know sure. the, the places where nobody i know wants to move to yeah, i'm uh, from the east coast but, and I we, out here, but so. we go anyway we because do. we go because we know how great the talent is and that's why I am so committed to 
the Conference of Champions and the Pac-12 because it all satisfies my criteria for how I make my choices in life. Okay. People, passion, and purpose. And I love what I do, and I love who I do it with, and I love why we do it. And when those things are not in sync, then I go do something else. But I have zero desire to go do anything else from what I'm doing right now. All All I ever wanted in life was more. Sure. And... One of the great things about the Pac-12 is that how much more you get. And that's what I it, it, It's just, it's endless, and that's what I want. Sure. And I, I, you know, I want more games. I want overtime games. Sure. I want, I you got a lot of them with Oregon this year. Uh, yeah. Well, every game we had all season long <laughs> went right down to the final it possession. Did. It did. Until the last weekend when Washington became the best team in the conference yep. in 48 hours. And now they're just rolling. And wow, what a team. What a story. And one of the... One of the many things that I love about what's happened with Washington is that they didn't quit because mm-hmm. it's easy to quit. Yep, yep, and yep, it's, yep. It's easy to lose. And how impressed were you? Because like Isaiah Stewart throughout the right, year, right. that guy, that was one of the guys. He never stopped playing hard. Fantastic. Yeah. He's the epitome of what it means to be a member of the Conference of Champions, even though he's not from here. He's from New York. Yep. And he learned. He, he, he went to high school in Indiana the last two years. And but then he came out here and he gets with Mike Hopkins and he gets in this remarkable area that is the Pacific Northwest. Have you read The Good Rain? By I Timothy have. Egan? I have not. No. Oh, it's a foundational book, and from there you will just spring forward to all kinds of dizzying possibilities of life, of people, of humanity, of sacrifice. Of but it it, it just goes forever, and I'm so lucky in that people give me books. They send me books. I probably get 10 to 15 books unsolicited. What's the best book you've read in the last year? I don't live in a qualitative binary decision-making world. I live in a world where I like a lot of things. Sure. There's things I don't like, but I distance myself from things that I don't like. Okay. And I, I stand at the fork in the road constantly. What was the last book that you read that you did? I'm just finishing up a fantastic book. And I only stay with books that are great books. If the book's not great, I I, I don't stay with it. And so, but the book I'm just finishing, I'm in the last 10 pages right now. And it's Alta California by Nick Neely. N-E-E-L-Y. And it is a book that was given to me by a friend, a teammate, and another member of the Conference of Champions and the Pac-12. And he handed me this book. He didn't say anything about it. He just looked at me and gave me a big smile and a wink as he handed me the book and went on his way. So you knew it was going to be good. And it takes a while for me to get to a book. Sure. Because my books are always stacked up. Mm-hmm. But because of who it was... I put it on the top of the stack. And as okay. soon as I finished the previous book, then I got right into Alta, Alta California. And it's a story of a guy, Nick Neely, who was a writer and who grew up in the Bay Area, but then moved to the Pacific Northwest. I think Idaho it was. But that's, 
his other life is not what the story's about. He, as every writer is faced with, as every entertainer is faced with, is to come up with the idea for the show. Hmm. What is the story? And he decided that since this was the 250th anniversary of the first European ground exploration of the coast of California from Mr. Portola, who was from Spain. And he was a military officer, and he was to lead 63 men on foot with some horses and some mules from San Diego to San Francisco, where no European had ever walked before. And there was uh, incredible numbers of first Americans who were already there. And uh, but the story that Nick Neely tells of uh, of his walk, duplicating that in, t- in today's world and how it's all changed, but to be able to jump back and 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 forth and go off on these tangents that would just be so full of information and so inspirational and and, and the history. And the, the legacy and, and the foundation that was California created by the first Americans and then ultimately changed completely by the European invasion. Mm-hmm. And, and it was just uh, it's a spectacular book uh, that I have learned an incredible amount from. And like all good things in my life, I don't want it to end. How much do you consume from these books? Because I just feel like you have an incredible wealth of knowledge that you share with the audience. I don't know anything about anything. But you know everything about everything, I feel like. I know who to call when I get in trouble. Okay. But what about when you're on air? Because it feels like you have this wealth of knowledge whether it's geographic or historical or whatever. I'm the luckiest guy on earth. I grew up in a culture of curiosity yeah, yeah. in a culture of exploration of experimentation because your your mother was a librarian my right? mother is a librarian is a librarian i apologize she's still alive she's 93 and she still lives in the same house we all oh, grew wow. up in they moved there when i was born 67 okay. years ago they okay. lived 10 minutes away but they wanted a a, a bigger house a bigger yard because i'm the second of four children the oldest of the still living children and my parents, greatest parents ever, yeah. zero interest in sports, zero. So where did that come from? Because I, I heard you say, maybe it was Frank, but it said that you never shot baskets with your dad. He Never was, shot a single basket yeah. with my dad. my dad. My parents don't like sports. Okay. So where did the sports gene come from? I followed my older brother, Bruce, okay. as I have for most of my life. And while he was alive, then... I always followed him, Sure. although we are completely different people. And he and played in the NFL, right? Played in the NFL, played at UCLA, and okay. played at, Helix, oh, wow. played at yeah. Helix High School. Okay. And he played at our elementary school. And I followed him when I was eight years old one day after school because he wasn't going home for some reason. And I said, well, well, where are you going? He said, well, come on, come on, Billy, let's go. And so we went down. And that's where I found basketball sure. and ultimately found all the other sports because the coach that we had at the school was the volunteer coach. He was the town's fireman, but he had three children of his own. We were all the same age, all were classmates and everything. And he saw a need because at three o'clock every day in the 1950s and 60s, there was nothing for the children to do after school. Sure. 
And so Rocky, the fireman, he was looking out the firehouse door one day and all these children coming out with nothing to do. And he stepped to the front and he said, I'll take care of this. And so he volunteered at the school for 59 years. Wow. Every day, every sport, every child, all year round. He lived just a couple blocks from the school. That's incredible. And the fire station was on the corner, the school was in the middle, and my mom's library was on just down the street. And so there was this just giant triangle of people and forces and opportunities. And Rocky, he never took a dime. Interesting. When he died a few years ago, he was the richest guy I've ever known. And I can't tell you today if he knew anything about basketball, (laughs) flag football, or baseball, or track and field, all the sports we played all year long. And, but he knew life, and he knew people, and he knew fun. What was the best lesson you got from him? we couldn't wait to get there. What was the best lesson you got from Rocky? I don't live in that qualitative binary. Okay, right, right, right. Can you name one that you got from him? A, a I lesson? learned everything, everything from him. Sure. I learned everything from everybody. Okay. And I, that's what I try to do. I try to find, I try to search for, find, and learn from master teachers. And I'm just super lucky that I've been able to continue to do that. And I, and I have that same opportunity here with the Conference of Champions because I spend my days on at Stanford, at UCLA, at Berkeley, at USC, at UW, at Oregon, at Oregon State, and Arizona State, and Arizona, and Utah, and, and Colorado, and the smartest people in the world are there, and the sure. nicest teachers, and the ones who have the greatest purpose, and they're just and they're just there to give it all away, and it's fantastic. And then that's just the teachers, yeah. and it has nothing to do with the students, and the students are are fantastic and you know they're the ones who are going to save us and save the world from ourselves and then the community and the fans and it's just, it's just and the basketball I'm the luckiest good guy in the world the basketball's never been better it's just tremendous do you believe I, I've it seems like this year I mean we're talking about potentially seven teams making this tournament I know we don't want to be qualitative here but it seems like this has been the well there's seven teams that deserve to be in the tournament mm-hmm. but like the electoral college I am done and fed up with the automatic bids to these really? truck, to these truck stop conferences. Okay. And so even know, the small schools that you don't you'd rather see a Well, win, you know, let's, yeah. you know, let's have a tournament with the 60 how, how how many teams are there? Are there 64? Are there 68? Are there 69? How many teams are there? I, I don't 68 even 68 in the there's tournament. There's 68. Yeah. There's not 69. There's not no. a play into a play into a play in that we get to 64. No, it's We 60, could eventually but it's 68. 68, yep. Yeah. So let's, let's take the 68 best teams. Sure. So regular season champs of the small conference. No, let's f- have somebody who knows what the teams, who the best 68 teams are. And, you know, sure. earn your way in. Okay. Let's go. Play. And, and let's get a champion. So, you, so, and But you think seven teams in the Pac-12, the conference of champions. There's been uh, seven excellent squads this year sure. in, in the conference of champions uh, in no particular order because I, I – I have no memory, <laughs> but so Oregon has been the best team. They won the and they won the conference. And then UCLA had a, a spectacular year and took second. Could have taken first, but they got beat on USC's court with a last second brilliant shot by a fantastic player in yep. person, Jonah Matthews. And then uh, Arizona State was third. And then fourth is USC. And USC is on a on a historic run 
for their program. Sure. And it's the best run they've ever had. And Andy Enfield, he just keeps turning out yeah. scholar-athletes and is just wonderful. And these guys go on and do really wonderful things in their lives, and, and they just they make the world a better place. And then, then you got uh, the Arizona. Arizona and Washington matchup. Washington was 12th. Uh, 6th is Colorado. Uh, seventh, you know, then uh, Utah Stanford. and Stanford is, is in there, and then Oregon State and and Cal and Washington State. But but the seven teams that I think have had uh, NCAA tournament quality seasons: Oregon, UCLA, USC, Stanford, Colorado. Arizona, Arizona State. Is that seven? Is that eight? Is I that? I think that was seven. Yeah. I don't know. I apologize for all the omissions. Because when I yeah. do these games, one of the things I do in my life is I broadcast basketball games. Yep. Right, and I take. Uh, I, I love my job. I take it very seriously. You do. Yep. And and every, after every game, uh, I try to go out to dinner with the broadcast team. Mm-hmm. And. And then I, it's at when dinner's over, because you have to eat after the games. Sure. And, but after the game, I go home and I just lie in bed all night long about all the things that I should have said, oh. all the things that I left out. And then I should get up in the middle of the night and write it down, mm-hmm. but I don't for some ridiculous reason, and I'm no excuse for my failures as a human being. And I, but I, because if Maybe if I got up and wrote it down then, I would be able to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm going to make that change right now. Okay. I'm going to start I'm getting up in the middle of the night. Now, thank you for being my therapist. And I'm going to I'm, 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 I'm write it down. And, and then because when I do finally get up in the morning, when mm-hmm. I finally get out of bed after tossing and turning and all night, just watching that clock, then I do go to my desk and I do write it down. And then I somehow try to work it into the next time on TV. Sure. And uh, and just to apologize to the world for not being better at who I am and what I do. Real quick, and we'll get you out of here. What what are you? Where are it, you going? I, I I thought you would want to at least get dinner. Start you know right now. Las Vegas. All right, I got nowhere to be. How about you tell us when John Wooden bailed you out of jail? I was reading about that today. Yeah, well, that was uh, a low moment for him. And a low moment in our relationship. Okay. Uh, one of the two lowest moments. The other was when I gave out his home phone number <laughs> you know, on, on uh, uh, at a big corporate event we were doing with okay. twenty with twenty five thousand people. Oh, wow. at okay. Staples Center, and he 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 looked at me, and but he he waited it out. He didn't change his number. This is the phone number. Okay, the phone number. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, he had one phone number. He never had a cell phone. He sure. never had an assistant. He never had a secretary. He did everything himself. He was uh, incredibly self-sufficient and very proud and uh, incredibly inspirational person who uh, made me, uh, it was, he was, you know, one of those guys. You know, when I was a child, there was four Four people in this big umbrella over Little Billy. Mm-hmm. Little Billy from San Diego with his red hair and his freckles and his big nose and his goofy, nerdy-looking face and his horrendous speech impediment. Rocky was one, right? Rocky, okay. my parents. Okay, your two parents. Chick Hearn. Okay. okay. And John Wooden. Okay. That was the world that I grew up 
in. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I, I got to you know, develop a friendship with Chick Hearn. Mm-hmm. My parents, fabulous, greatest parents ever. Rocky, this most spectacular human being, no matter what he did, a foundational pillar of our entire community. Chick Hearn, the greatest broadcaster ever, who delivered a message of hope every single moment. And then John Wooden, who was this, this, I'm running out of superlatives here, but this person who became an English teacher, you know, his life changed so much, and that's as mine has as well. I mean, I'm on Bill Walton 20.0 right now. I <laughs> had to start over from nothing 20 different times, and I've I've kind of figured it out how to do it again because it's happened so many times, but it, it's never fun, <laughs> and it's never easy, but it's what life's all about, and that's Another reason why I love the Pac-12 because this is this is the ultimate springboard to life. It's what it, it's what allowed me to become who I am. I mean, I got you know my dream. My dream was to go to UCLA and play for John Wooden. I I, I knew I was going to play in the NBA. I started playing against NBA players when I was 14 years oh, old. Wow, okay. And but you know. <laughs> We grew up in our house without a television set, and I got to see basketball on television. I, I, we, we had a radio and books and the newspaper, so I was following basketball from the time I was eight, uh, eight until about, uh, I'm going to say, let's say, 13, uh, when I saw uh, my first basketball game on television okay. and the first game. Where did you see it if you didn't have a television at your house? Down the street okay. at my buddy's house. Okay. He had a TV. Sure. And I read in the newspaper that the game was going to be on TV. And it was the 1965 NCAA championship game from Portland, Oregon. Okay. UCLA versus Michigan. Michigan, okay. Cassie Russell? UCLA was the defending champion, 30-0, but they had lost Walt Hazard. Interesting, okay. And so, I mean, I had known about all these guys. But only by reading about sure. them and listening to the radio about them. And then I saw it on TV in Michigan, man. They had these big, bruising dudes, man. They all looked like Isaiah Stewart. Just, <laughs> sure, just sure, huge, sure. you know. And, and then UCLA had all these little skinny, scrawny guys like me. Sure. You know, Keith Erickson, Kenny Washington, and Gail Goodrich. And I'm watching this game, and UCLA just put on a clinic and just ran them out of the building. Michigan was undefeated in rank number one. They had the college player of the year in Cassie. But UCLA was the champion, and UCLA had John Wooden, and UCLA had Gail Goodrich. And Gail Goodrich that night went for a championship game record of 42 points. And... I said to myself when the game was over, I said, that's what I want to do. Wow. That's what I want to do with my life. I, I, I want to play like that. I want to be like that. I want to play for John Wood, and I want to go to UCLA. And that dream did come true, although my dream became John Wooden's worst nightmare. Yeah. I was his easiest recruit, and I drove the poor guy to an early grave at 99. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he, poor guy. He'd still be going, he'd be he'd going strong. He'd be going, yeah. Well, uh, you... You had to have been there. It was. It was. Uh, it was not tough on him. Well, I was tough on him. Yeah, that's what I mean. And yeah. I, 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 I failed him, and I failed 
everybody else. But I read that you didn't realize it until you got no, to the NBA. No, you thought I, yeah, because no, your I, parents and Coach Wooden. Well, I just thought that everybody had a great childhood. Sure. I thought that everybody had a great life. I thought everybody had great schools and great teachers. And, and, and I thought everybody had everybody else in their life care about them. Yep. I never encountered anybody that didn't have my best interests at heart yeah. until I joined the NBA. Interesting. And yeah. but the NBA, well, I mean, what a fantastic success story that is, and what it has become. Oh my gosh! And that, like, uh, so much of our world is better than ever too. Sure. Yeah. Anything else on the Conference of Champions that we haven't hit on in terms of what's coming these next few days? What's or? your name again? Uh, Aaron. Aaron. Bill's my name. Two L's, L's, right? Two okay. L's, yes. Okay. And I'm the luckiest guy in the world because I get to spend the rest of this week with every member of the Conference of Champions. And we're going to see who can play. We're going to see who's in shape, who's willing to put it out there, and who is willing to embrace the elements of success in a group dynamic. And those are honor, sacrifice, and discipline. And the coaches are all so great. Sure. And most of the players already know this. The ones that don't, they'll learn. It'll be a very painful lesson. Sure. And they'll be like me, where at the end of the line, they'll say, darn it, I really blew that. Sure. But when you do win and it does all come together, it seems so easy when you're doing it, mm-hmm. but there's nothing ever easy about anything. Sure. As soon as you find something that's easy, please let me know what it yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah, no. Okay. All right, Bill. Well. And your name again? Aaron. Aaron. Okay. I'm Two Bill. ways. Okay. So next time I see you in Connecticut at the airport. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to beat. Will it be the beat or who will it be? Well, listen, you know, um. There's a lot of other good players out there. Yeah, I, we, you know, the, the, their starting center actually just got hurt again, which is neither here so nor there. So you're a UConn guy. I am a UConn Jim guy. Jim Calhoun. Yeah, Jim Calhoun well, has been on this podcast. So. so tell Jim hello. Have you been following his D3? So, he's yes, in a, I have. Well, he's I'm incredible. A, I'm a big fan of Jim Calhoun. Yeah. I knew Jim Calhoun from when he was coaching coaching Northeastern. Sure. Yes, and he. How did you cross? Oh, because you were in Boston, right? Celtics. Yeah. He's a Celtic. He was. Oh. On, he was on this. He is as New England as it gets. Fantastic, and what he has done, you know, what what he has done is what Lute Olson did in Tucson. Uh, it's what Dana Altman is doing in Oregon. Mm-hmm. You know, it's what it, it's the dream. The, it's the dream of creating something that's really special. Sure. And, you know, here in Las Vegas with the Pac-12, where you go back in history and all the great advancements in our lives have come through the Pac-12, through the Western United States, and, and, and the spirit and the unity that we have and the passion and the, and, and the purpose. And, and, and it's just... When you see it happen for other people, you're just so happy, particularly when they're so young. Sure. But it, it, it's not limited to young people. You know, there's nothing greater than to witness someone else's success. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. Thanks for having me. That's a perfect way to end. Bill Walton, Pac-12 Network, Pac-12 Tournament it, starts Wednesday. Aaron, right? Aaron with yeah, two A's. I remember yeah. you from the airport. Yeah, okay. There we go. The Beat. The Beat, yes. Yeah. He is still alive, by the way. I, was, I searched it while we were. 
You have to, you can talk, type, and think at the same time. I can't. Do yeah, that. It's a I can only do one thing at a time, right. and, and none of it very well. <laughs>